download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. lots of feeding programs and kids clubs throughout, throughout the islands. We travelled a lot by bus, which is great because we had air conditioning when it was so hot outside. Um, one other thing I loved about the feeding programs is that what you do out in the mission field, you don't normally do back home. Like I, I ended up touching chicken with my bare hands and tearing it apart, and anyone who knows me knows that I hate getting my hands dirty in the kitchen. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, this is what you do. Um, but everyone, what I found amazing about the Filipino spirit is that they are very much, their hearts are very serving. And so they struggled when we came in and we were like, hey, we want to serve you because their heart was to serve us as the foreigners coming in. But we were like, no, we're here to serve you guys. Um, so after Quran, we came back to Manila. Uh, we flew, thankfully, this time around, but the um, flight was delayed. And so Manila traffic takes about 40 minutes without traffic from the airport to the hotel. It took us four hours that night <laughs> in a van that had no air conditioning, which also broke down in the middle of the motorway. So that was great fun. <laughs> I think that was when I texted mum and I was just like, mum, help! So she kind of like sent around a thing to pray, which I'm very grateful for. Um, so we stayed in the guest house that time and they really downplayed the places we stayed because there was a massive bookshelf and I was just like, this yeah, I could get used to this. Um, but throughout the time, we went to City Gates Academy and we spent time in the classrooms. We spent time getting to know the mothers. And they really, they kind of give free education to the poorest of the poor in the community. So the kids who are there, their parents, they work in exchange for their kids having free education. So they, do, they clean the classrooms, they do all the cooking. And we actually had the opportunity to go and visit some of their houses. So we're walking through a shanty town. And you can tell that no white people go through them because they were all just kind of coming out of their houses and staring at us, kind of like, what the heck are you doing in this corner of the world? Um, but it was quite humbling to see the way that other people lived. They had like a tiny brick room, you know, a, like a board to sleep on with like a tiny sheet as a cover. And there were six people, two families living in this one house. And we left and we were like, that's really crazy like how these people live and get there always smiling and always hugging us and just generally really happy. Um, and also within our team, because we got so close, we got, we really bonded well and there were lots of breakthroughs that we had. So one girl, she drowned when she was 11 and she's always had a fear of water. Um, so one of our days off, we had two days off and one day off we went island hopping and we ended up with like swimming in a lagoon. And that was one of my favourite pictures is of her actually in the water with her life jacket on, crying her eyes out. But she was like, yeah, we'll join the swimming club and I get back home. So it's just kind of stuff like that. Like, so she's going out, but out there, God really dealt with it. And God really taught me, actually, that what I thought was a 
So if anyone hears me say I'm introvert ever again, <laughs> you have permission to hit me. Um, so we just really left our comfort zones we'd ever, ever be able to do. Like one, we led a women's Bible study. There were six of us on our little team who led it. And Diana, she lost her husband three years ago. She became a widow. And she sponsors one of the little boys in the academy. And before we led the Bible study, she met his mother. And that was a really sweet moment. And I cried a little bit because I'm too emotional. Um, and that was really nice. And then she led the women's Bible study. She did the word. She shared her testimony. And at the end, she, we had a ministry time. And she prayed. She asked for the widows to come forward. And the mother of the boy that she sponsors came forward. And we were all like, oh, my God, this is like crazy. And she, she prayed for the widows. And there was not a dry eye in the house because it was so powerful. And she started crying. And it was just, you know, she's from England. And yet we the people on the other side of the world because, you know, we all go through the same things. Um, but it was just absolutely We're all so different and all unique in our own way. And, like, God has created us in different ways. In to kind of like further his kingdom and it leave my comfort zone <laughs> go across the world with the people I don't know begin friends and actually do never thought I would have been able to do because when you're out there all you, you have nothing like you have none of your comforts and all you can do is lean on God like you know Philippians 413 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that was the verse of the two weeks if any of us said oh all things through Christ who strengthens you. So we all had that kind of like support with each other because so many of us struggled with like different things. And mm-hmm. crazy how a group of 22 people in any normal circumstance, like you know, we watch Big Brother, they all kind of like fight and whatever. And we all lived out of each other's pockets, you know. We roomed together, we lived together, we breathed and ate together, fought for Wi Fi together. <laughs> and yeah, we all became such good friends. And Lynette, the missionary out there, she was like, this is like this doesn't happen you know you're also amazing how how is that possible but it really struck me when I was out there like I know on our last day I was just stood there like how am I going to get this <laughs> but then I was so reminded like God the same God who's in the Philippines is the same God here and actually whatever I experience in the Philippines like I can experience here um he doesn't have to take me across the entire planet to teach me something about myself I mean he did but um, but I, it just really struck me, actually, like their sense of spirit and community with each other. They, you know, they lost a lot in the hurricane. They lost their, and yet yeah, they're happy. They're, they welcome you in with open arms. They smile. They smile all the time, you know. And it actually, you learn so much more from them than you do. You, like coming back here, it's, it's a reverse culture shock because you're just like nobody's happy, nobody's sort of smiling. You know, everyone has everything, but you know. They're still like, oh. So it's just, yeah, just leave your comfort zone. You don't have to go overseas to leave your comfort zone, but it is so worth it to kind of just about who you are. So, yeah, that was our two weeks. Hey, man, that's wonderful. Thanks, Sam. That's awesome. Thank you. That's brilliant. How many get encouraged by those things? Wonderful. Okay, Lydia, and Lydia's going to France on mission work. Uh, south of France. 
Uh, but she's going to say the France. Do you want to tell a little bit what you're doing there? And then we're just going to pray for you. Yeah, honestly, I don't actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have an itinerary or anything. Um, but it's basically with Elam Missions, it's 16 to 30s group going to help um, Rich and Reggie Ellerington in the Surf Church, which is fun. It's um, a place called Hosco, which I can't actually say, but it borders Spain. So right at the bottom. Um, so, yeah, I know that we'll be doing beach missions. Um, and we'll be helping in the church. We're going to be having evangelism training, worship nights, um, surfing. <laughs> so I think it's a good mixture, but it's, I think it's going to be completely opposite, obviously, what Emily's doing in a totally different culture. But I think it's, I'm looking forward to kind of being in a culture that's, I guess, similar to home and seeing how, you know, how they evangelize, um, there. And that's kind of all I know. <laughs> so it's only for a week. So it'd be nice. When a night, can I use a bit of French connections there, aren't you? Uh, so, let's just stretch our hands towards Lydia. Pray the Lord to really anoint her. Put his hand upon her and really, really anoint her right now. Father, we do thank you for Lydia's desire to go and, and, and work for you. We thank you for her, Lord. We thank you for all these uh, young people that have gone out. But we thank you for Lydia. And we pray, Lord, that you'll just bless her at this time, Lord. Lord, that you'll give her traveling mercies as she travels down there. Lord, that you'll teach her things that she doesn't know now. Lord, that you'll teach her your ways. Uh, and Lord, that, that this experience will be just from you and so powerful. We pray, Lord, that you will anoint her and give her new vision and, and new desires for you. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless the Etheringtons as they, they work out there in Osipa. We pray, Lord, that you will just use that time to win people for you. Lord, we know that the people in, in France are so complacent uh, about things of yourself. We pray, Lord, that you will open up hearts, open up minds, uh, and Lord, that people will be open to your word as they share your word amongst the children and amongst the boys and girls and amongst the adults. We pray, Lord, you bless the team that goes out. And we pray, Lord, that team will be united together, as we have heard from Emily's team. Uh, and, Lord, that they will be just on fire for you. Put a fire in their hearts for you, Lord, we ask. We ask these things for your name's sake. Amen. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. Psalm 27. Thank you, guys. Psalm 27. We've been looking at Psalm 27 over the last few weeks. And I uh, just want to keep on. We've been looking at the confidence being confident in God at the first one, then being a person of one thing. And this morning, I want us just to maybe draw this to a conclusion, really. Uh, and we're going to look at the goodness of God. And we're going to look at it from Psalm, it's verse 13 of Psalm 27. This is an awesome, I love this verse. This is absolutely an awesome verse. Psalm 27 Verse 13. I would have lost heart, or some versions of God, I would have fainted, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay? Actually, before I uh, get into the word this morning, just to say that, uh, pray for us next week because we're. We're doing a lane of ashes ceremony. Uh, you may remember about a year ago, probably about a year ago now, uh, Angie's nephew is about 19. He suddenly just dropped dead. Quite a tragic situation, really. So they're having like the kind of 
bringing in the ashes. So just pray I'll have the right words to say in that situation. That's next week, so we're away for a few days. So just pray for us in that. Anyway, Psalm 27 and verse 14. And, sorry, verse 13. He says, I would, have, I would have lost heart unless I saw the goodness of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? David in the natural, if you read this psalm as it goes through, in the natural, he wasn't seeing the goodness of God at that time. But I love to think that he wasn't despairing because he believed he would see it. If you go to a lot of African nations, this is one of the, one of the most famous sayings they often say, if you go to Africa anywhere, they always say, God is good, and everybody responds all the time. Have you heard that? It's one of those sayings they say all the time. God is good and he's good all the time. And that's a great thing to get in your heart because this is what David's saying. He says, I'm not going to despair because he says, I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Now, some of you got the, the word there, either fainted. If you've got the King James, I think if you've got the King James, it's the word fainted. How many have got that? If you've got the King James, it's the word fainted. The King James says fainted, which actually is a more adequate translation there. And, and that actually means, it means to wilt. It means to melt. Ever had some news and something on the inside, you literally melt. You know, when someone says a particular thing to you, inside your heart you just melt. You, you feel overwhelmed. Feel that almost that sense of hopelessness. Ever, ever had that sort of some news given to you? I remember many, many years ago going to the hospital, and I actually went being told I had an ear infection. That's what I thought I'd gone for. And I was sitting with this specialist, this consultant. And he said to me, "You've got, you haven't got an ear infection." And that sounded kind of good news to begin with. He said, "Actually, you've got a tumour." And that kind of boom, that just that moment, you just feel your whole. Your whole body kind of melts. I mean, if you know what I'm feeling about that. That, that news, that, that circumstance, that situation that so hits you and you just feel like you're going to... That worked up lorry there, didn't it? <laughs> that kind of makes you feel you're going to kind of melt. And David said, I would have melted, I would have wilted, I would have collapsed and be overwhelmed if I didn't truly believe that I would see the goodness of of God. I think it's the NIV says, or one of the translations says, what would have happened to me unless I would have believed that I saw, I would see the goodness of God. And that's that true. Unless, what would have happened if he hadn't believed he would see the goodness of God? So I tell you what would have happened, he'd have been full of fear. He'd have felt overwhelmed. He'd have felt bitter. If he hadn't believed he would see the goodness of God, he says, what would have happened to me? How would I have dealt with it? How would I have responded to that bad news? How would I have responded to that situation? How would I have responded to that overwhelcome circumstances had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Isn't that awesome? Now notice what he says. He says, he uses the word believe. And that word believe basically means to trust with absolute reliance. To become confident. 
Something you depend on. Something you rely on. It's expectation of good. And, and he says, I believed I would see. Can you see the difference? He said, I didn't see then I believed, but I believed then I saw. How many realise believing is seeing, not seeing is believing? You believe first, and as you believe it, then you see it. If you base it just on what you physically see, then you'll never grasp and understand the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And he said, I will. See, when you believe something enough, you'll stand on it. That's how you can really know whether you believe something. That's the real test. You don't... It's when the problems come, it's when the difficulties come, it's when the challenges come, that shows whether you really believe something. Is that right? It's when I believe in the goodness of God, when I'm seeing things around me that don't seem to be good, but I still believe in the goodness of the Lord. How many can see that? And David said, I believe it. I'm confident in it. I trust in it. I rely on it. I believe it. I stand on it. That I will see the goodness of the Lord. Now God has many more attributes than goodness. But I think goodness is one of the attributes that almost is foundational. Incredibly foundational. Incredibly fundamental. Really, when you think about it, see, what you think about God really is one of the most important things about you. That's what drives you. That's what directs you. What you truly believe in your heart about who God is. And so it's important that we understand what is God really like? Ask yourself that question. What is God ultimately, what's he really like? And often our concepts of God can often be affected by all kinds of religious thinking and religious ideas. Or things that we heard many, many years ago that we've tended to believe, but really maybe it's not a true reflection of who God is. And what David is saying, he says, this is where I believe God's really like. It's not based on my experience necessarily. It's not based on my circumstances. But I really believe that God is good. That's my fundamental belief, that God's good. What you believe about God, how you perceive God to be, is the most important thing about you. Jesus said that Elijah, some people say you're John the Baptist, come back. But he says, who do you say I am? In other words, people had a distorted view of God. And I think often we can have distorted concepts of God in our hearts. Distorted views that, that often, this distorted view, often God is mad and God is sad and he's like that all the time. And We've got this distorted concept of what God is like. And David said a true concept of God is this. God is what? Good. Jesus came to reflect and show what the Father was like. Is that right? This is what the Father's like. And this is what the Bible says of Jesus. He went, the God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and he went about what? Doing good. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He's saying God's good. 
And I've come to reflect. I've come to demonstrate the goodness of God. And this is the phrase I love in that particular verse. He says, he says I believe I will see the goodness of God, notice what he says, in the land of the living. In other words, this isn't just something for heaven, this is just something for here and now. In my day-to-day life, in my day-to-day experience, I believe I will see the goodness of God right in my day-to-day life, in my day-to-day experience, in my reality of my life. I've got a hope that God will bring goodness into my situation here and now. Isn't that wonderful? Let me give you, I think, one of the greatest definitions of the goodness of God. It's by a man called A.W. Tozer. How many have heard of A.W. Tozer? This is where he says, he says, the goodness, and he's speaking of the goodness of God, is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill towards men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude towards all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness and take, I love this, and to take holy pleasure in the happiness of his, of his people. I think one of the Psalms says that God delights in the prosperity of his people. Isn't that wonderful? Turn to Psalm 145, verse 8 to 9. Do you know there's so many verses about the goodness of God? We could be here all day, really, literally, if we looked at all the verses. I just want to bring, throw out a few. Psalm 145, verse 8 to 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his work. I think a lot of people struggle in their Christian life because they've never really realised how good God is. See, the more you understand in the goodness of God, the more you begin to trust Him. And I think one of the reasons often why we, we pull back is that we're not really confident that God's good. And because we're not really confident that He's good, we kind of pull back. We don't really have confidence that God really has your best interests at heart. And he says, know that I'm good. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to let you down. A leper came to Jesus. Remember that? And he says, I know you're willing. But here's a question I want to really ask. I know you're willing. I know you're able. But here's what I want to know. Are you willing. Because the issue is, none of us would question God's power. Is that right? Obviously, you know, we, we don't question his ability. The question is, is he willing? And I think sometimes we think we've got to know more scriptures, do more stuff, measure up. I think if we would just get a revelation of his goodness, we would realize how willing he is. And we would just open our hearts And we would receive so much more from him if we really, truly believed that God is good. It's interesting, the word gracious there means he's disposed to show favours. Isn't that wonderful? The word gracious means that God is disposed to show 
favours. David said, I would have given up. I would have absolutely just given up. I would have turned my back on everything. If I would not believed, I would see the goodness of God. And often, that makes a difference between going under and going over. If I truly believe in the goodness of God. See, that's why people give up. They give up on the promise. They give up on a dream. They give up on an agenda that God has placed on them. They give up on things in life because they don't truly believe in the goodness of God. I think when you believe in the goodness of God, hope's restored. You know that some way you're going to come through. And you know that the goodness of God declares to you the best days are yet still ahead. Amen. The goodness of the Lord. Notice what he says. Who is God's goodness available to? Who does he say? He's good to Emily. He's good to all. It's all inclusive. Maybe you've gone through a broken time. Maybe you've gone through some suffering in some way. Maybe you've gone through some difficult financial situation. Maybe things have not turned out the way you expected them to turn out. But God is saying to you this morning, believe that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. What does the goodness of God produce in our lives? I think it produces this. It takes the limit of God's abundance. I'm always struck when he fed the 5,000. How the fact there were 12 baskets left over. And so, God wants us to take the limits off. And I think when you have a true revelation of the goodness of God, it takes the limits off. So you're able to receive everything the Holy Spirit wants to give you. Because God is unlimited in his ability and resources. And he delights to pour those resources on us. Amen? Let me give you a great quote by a man called F.F. Bosworth. He said this, Just imagine, so just in your mind right now, just imagine, just imagine the ocean of God's goodness stored up, just waiting to be poured out upon our lives. Look at Psalm 31, that kind of, I think, kind of reveals this. Resources that God wants to pour upon us because of his goodness. Psalm 31, verse 19. David declared this. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you. He says God's treasured up this goodness. And it doesn't matter what kind of need you have, There's no challenge, no situation that God's goodness cannot meet it. Amen? Ever thought what the word glory means? The Bible says that when God revealed to Moses his goodness, you know what the Bible says? That when God showed him his glory, his goodness passed through Moses. So in a sense, God's glory is his goodness. I think the glory is manifested in three ways. It's manifested in his presence, it's manifested in his power, and it's manifested in his goodness. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking as a, as, as a manifestation of his goodness. 
Moses says, show me your glory. And God passed by him with his goodness. Interesting thing. Moses went up to the mountain, we are told, three times. On the third occasion when he went up, when God revealed to him his goodness, you know what the Bible says? His face shone. His face shone when he encountered the goodness of God. When he really saw face to face how good God was, his face just shone. Isn't that wonderful? You know what the other thing goodness produces? Have you thought about this? When the children of Israel went into battle, you know how they went into battle? The Bible says this is what they went into battle declaring. They declared this, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's what they did when they faced the battles. They declared that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. What an amazing attitude. When we face the challenges, that we go in with a foundation saying, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You know what? If we really grasp that and we face challenges, we'd come through every challenge and every circumstance. Because we'd face it head on, declaring the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I love it. Look at Psalm 23. This is so well known. Ever thought of the awesomeness of this verse? Psalm 23, verse 6. Really, this is David's testimony. He says, Surely, what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many would say that's an incredible thing to say over your life, isn't it? Imagine declaring over your life that from every single moment, every single day of my life, the goodness and the mercy of God's going to follow me. That's an amazing testimony to say over your life, isn't it? How could David say that? Because it was based on past experience of his life. When he faced Goliath, he said this, The Lord has delivered me out of the power of the lion, out of the powers of the bear, and it will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. In other words, he says, When I look back on my life, I can see so many situations, so many circumstances, so many messes that God has got me out of. I've come to realise that the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. And I love that. You know, you can just see him going forward, making a few messes and coming right behind it. It's the goodness of the Lord to clear the mess up. Can you say amen? Notice where he says, it's goodness, what? And mercy. Why did he say mercy? So i tell you why. Because David realised one thing, he didn't deserve God's goodness. He hadn't earned it or deserved it. So he says, God, your goodness that follows me all the day of my life is really down to your mercy. And here's what we need to see. If you're trying to think that you can earn his goodness, that you've got to do this or that to earn his goodness, then you've lost sight. That the goodness of God comes by his mercy. I love Psalm 52, verse 1, because it declares what goodness also produces. Psalm 52, verse 1. 
Let me just borrow a sec. You're not going to believe this, because I'm I'm using a different Bible I tend to use. And lo and behold, that very page, that part of it's ripped. Isn't that amazing? It's not there. So never mind. That's that's just, you know, I don't know. Psalm 52, verse 1. What do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Don't you realize that God's justice or God's goodness... Have you got good God goodness there? Continues forever. In other words, the goodness of the Lord, I knew I should have got another version there. <laughs> the goodness of the Lord never runs out. It endures all the time. So no matter how big your problem is, how big the challenge is, how big the circumstances, the goodness of God will always outlast it. No matter how long it lasts, God's goodness will always outlast what you're facing because the goodness of the Lord endures forever and ever and it never runs out. The resources, the ability of his goodness never comes to an end because his goodness endures forever. Isn't that awesome? Jeremiah 29 verse 1 says this, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Have you thought about this? Because God is good, then that must mean his plans are good. His destiny for your life is good. What he has for your life is good. In fact, the word hope, and I I looked this up, the word hope, it means positive expectation that something good is going to happen to you because of God's great goodness. Joseph had a lot of... How many know David? uh, Joseph had a lot of challenges in his life, a lot of difficulties, a lot of bad things hit his life. Here he said, he says, what you desire for evil, God has turned it round for what? Good. He says, you desired evil. You desired a lot of evil to happen to my life. But God's so much bigger than that, he turned it for good. And I believe there's nothing that God can't turn around for your benefit. Can you say amen? I believe that God is good at working at bad stuff. He's the master craftsman. I love this quote, and I wrote it down because I think it's so awesome. I think it was Bill Johnson who said this, but it's an amazing quote. He says, God doesn't remove the scars, but he works on them so closely they become finely honed crystal. I just love it. Let me say it again. God doesn't remove the scars, but he works on them so closely, they become finely honed crystal. In other words, when God sees bad stuff, he says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to recreate. I'm going to work so closely with it, it becomes so beautiful. Isn't that awesome? We carry scars, probably all of us in our lives at some point. And what that's saying is that God works so closely in all those scars and all those pains and all those bad things and all those, that bad stuff that it's our lives. And God works so closely on it, if we allow him to, he'll just take it, work with it. So what became so painful and so difficult and so hard, God so works on it, it becomes so something of beautiful crystal. Isn't that right? How many know people right now that you look at all those, some horrendous things that happen in their life 
And you look back and you see over the years as God's been working and ministering and pouring his goodness on it, there's suddenly now there's, there's a crystal there. There's something amazing that just shines out from their life. How many can see that? I just love, I love probably more and more, I just love stories of restoration. I really do. How God just took broken lives and broken people and took all kinds of messes, all kinds of heartache, all kinds of pain, all kinds of messes, and he just works on it and moves on it. And people have got this amazing testimony of God's restorative power. That's why Paul could actually say, he says, I'm persuaded of, he says, he says, one thing I've learned. He says, all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And a little bit further down in the verse, he says, because I believe that, he says, I'm persuaded that nothing will separate me from the love of God. Nothing of the past, nothing to come, nothing in all hell, nothing in all creation, angels, principality, nothing. So I'm persuaded, because I'm persuaded that I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord, and I'm persuaded nothing will separate me from the love of God. See, Romans 8 isn't just good theology. It's somebody with real life. Somebody who went through shipwreck. Somebody who was whipped. He says he had stripes, beaten. He often went, he says, without things. He, he went naked, he went all kinds of challenges. He said, I've been knocked, he said, I've been knocked down, but not knocked out. Amen, I love that. And, and so he went through a lot of incredible, difficult situations. And in spite of that, he was able to say, I'm persuaded. I believe with all my heart that all things work together for my good, for my benefit, for those who love God. Amen. Look at Romans 2, verse 4. There's another very interesting verse. Romans 2, 4. I said before, I'm just touching on just a few of the verses that speak on the goodness of God. Verse so Romans 2, verse 2. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things are doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? In other words, a thing that really changes our minds, changes the direction of life, makes you want to change your life, really, and say, I don't want to go in that direction anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to live my life like that anymore because I've come to experience and know how good God is. And if he's so good, if he's so amazing, if he's so awesome... I need to change my belief systems. I need to change attitudes. I need to change the way that I live my life because I've come to see how good and how amazing God is. Amen. 
Now, let me take, let's just kind of land this so I can. Psalm 27, and we're, we're, let me just kind of land it a little bit. How do we grow in the goodness of the Lord? And if you go back to Psalm 27, I think there's a few indications there of, of how the goodness of God begins to develop and grow in our lives. And we see so many truths from Psalm 27 of how that begins to happen. I love this verse, Psalm 5 of Psalm 27. And in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon the rock. I just love that. How awesome. In other words, the goodness of God, actually, the goodness of God, believe it or not, grows in difficulties. I believe there's something about, about, about the goodness of God when we learn to respond right, there's something about difficulties that enabled you to grow and deepen in your ability to see the goodness of the Lord. And he says he hides you. You know the word hide in the Hebrew is a powerful word. It means to, to knit together. That's what it means. It means that in your difficulties, in your troubles, in your problems, God knits together with you. You get closer to God. How many have found that? But often it's in your difficulties and your challenges you get closer to God. How many have found that? You you find yourself being knitted to God. You get close to God. You you draw near to God in your difficulties. It's almost the the presence of the Bible says he's a very present help in trouble. That you begin to discover the, the greater reality of his presence. The presence of God begins to be manifested and revealed in the difficulties if we allow God to wrap himself around us and he begins to knit himself to us. And that's why the Bible says, count your joy when you have various trials because in that God's knitting you together with him. He's drawing you to, with him. He's, he's putting his arms around you. He's strengthening you. He's empowering you. You're discovering more about God and who he is. Because when you go through the difficulties... I want you to see something this morning. God is actively pursuing you. I love that. That God's pursuing you. Look what it says. God says, seek my face, pursue me. And David says, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to go after you. Because God's pursuing you. And because God's pursuing you, you pursue him. And I love what he says. Look what he says there. It's so powerful. He says, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies. God knits me together with him. And my perspective in life changes. Come here, Steph. Can I borrow you? I'll give you what he means by this. Okay? Here's my enemy. I've got some bigger than me. Okay, just so you can see that. Okay, so here's my enemy. And I'm, he's so much bigger than me. And David says, God takes me and puts me on a rock. And now I'm looking down on my enemy. You know, I can... Like, because I'm looking down on him. I'm above him. He sets me on the rock, far above my enemies. Okay, thank you, sir. And, and that's the picture. That when God knits you together with him, you begin to see things from a different perspective. He puts you on a rock and he lifts you above your enemies. And those problems and those difficulties begin to look so much smaller because you've, God's lifted you in the difficulty, in the problem, because of his goodness. And in verse 6, he says, God, he says, God, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. In other words, 
There's a song in your heart. What's a song? A song is something you never had before. And Emily found that in the difficulties, the things that were in your life begin to be increased in your life. Things that were not there before seem to be added to your life. Things begin to emerge in your life. Greater levels of faith. Your prayer life gets strengthened. You learn to to be joyful in, in a difficult season. Because those difficulties are, if you like, are ways that you can begin to deepen your walk in the goodness of God. You begin to tuck your heart together with Him. And you, f- and you begin to discover God's goodness in the midst of your difficulties. Can you say amen? Here's the next one, very quickly. God's goodness increases and grows in prayer. It says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I think one of the things the enemy's doing in our day, often the enemy's wanting to take our voices away, trying to intimidate us. And in some ways it's been successful because often people have often pulled back on prayer. Pulled back on biblical prayer, really. And the danger is that there can be a generation that rises us actually has pulled back on prayer. And David says, in my trouble, I pray. I refuse to let the enemy shut my mouth. I refuse to allow intimidation to close my mouth. And he says, I I lift my voice. Can I encourage you in your prayer life, in your devotional time with God, lift your voice. Use your voice. It's almost that when you speak forth, when you use your voice, you'll find this, that, that you, you, you just find that, that, that it brings breakthrough. Sometimes just by lifting your voice can bring the breakthrough in your life. But the enemy wants to close our mouth. He wants to bring intimidation through our mouths are closed. And David says, in my troubles, in my difficulties, I'm going to cause my voice to lift up before God. Amen. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be, my mouth isn't going to be closed. My mouth is going to declare and speak out. And the way you can deepen your understanding and grow in the goodness of God is begin to pray out the verses. I mentioned some of the verses I've prayed there. Begin to pray those verses out. Begin to declare them out. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Surely the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. And you begin to pray out the verses. Begin to pray out the word. Pray out the scriptures. And the more you pray out the word, the more you pray out the scriptures, the more they begin to lodge in your heart. And and you get a greater understanding of them. They become part of you as you pray them, as you declare them out. Can I encourage you almost to sing them out? I've found singing the Bible, singing the Psalms is an amazing way, by yourself incidentally. Uh, But... As you sing the scriptures, as you sing the word, it opens your heart up. It enlarges the heart to get deep inside you. And so you're singing the scriptures, declaring the scriptures. And the more you do that, as you pray the scriptures out, you get greater revelation of the goodness of God. David says in verse 14, Wait in the Lord. Be of good courage. And the word waiting there means, it basically means to, to, it basically means to be dependent. He says, God, I'm depending on you. And prayer is the, is the place where you show your dependence on God. God, I need your goodness. I can't do it without your goodness. Please, would you release your goodness? I need it, God. 
I'm waiting. I'm depending on your goodness. And the last thing, I kind of landed with this. Well, two things, but this is very quick. Verse 10, he says, When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. In other words, he says, even though my parents forsake me, I still need parenting. See, the goodness of the Lord leads you into a greater understanding of the fatherhood of God. See, you'll never really deepen. You'll never really understand the Father's heart unless you begin to see he's a good father. How can you have a true revelation of, of the Father heart of God if you struggle with him being good. But the more I see there is good, how many, how many would see that? The, the, you see, if, if, you, if you have a father maybe that, that you feel is 